Chapter One of *The Triumph of the Scarlet Pimpernel* by Emma Orsi. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narrated by Bob Newfound. Scarlet Pimpernel, read by Jessa Mills. Marguerite Blakeney, read by Ariel Lipshaw. Soothsayer, read by Kathy Wright. Robespierre, read by Paul Simonon. Chauvelin, read by Bob Neufeld. Regina Salvol, read by Francis Brown. Henri Longlois, read by Arnaldo Machado. Bertrand Moncrief, read by Todd. The Guard, read by Charlotte Brown. Citizen One, read by Genesis Myers. Citizen Two, read by Shakira Searle. Citizen Three, read by Cheryl Michelle. Citizen Four, read by lydia rasmussen citizen five read by k hand citizen six read by abai citizen seven read by jeanie whitfield citizen eight read by arnaldo machado soothsayer's assistant read by francis brown soothsayer's assistant read by abai girl read by francis brown matron read by sarah swart beggar read by jessa mills josephine de saval read by kathy wright louis saint just read by todd Couton, read by beth thomas madame de saval read by ethel boss ratto read by jessa mills citizen hot thought read by cheryl michelle Sikal, read by todd Teresa cabaru read by amanda friday pepita read by lynn thompson citizen talion read by brett downey jelly band read by todd mr hempseed read by james callahan sally white read by lydia rasmussen lord antony dewhurst read by k hand lord hastings read by peter tucker sir andrew folks read by eden rayhedrick sailor read by beth thomas gentlemen read by todd man one read by beth thomas man number two by norman elfer citizen barras read by beth thomas Henriot, read by norman elfer sergeant sargent read by todd captain boyer read by arnaldo machado the triumph of the scarlet pimpernel by emma orsi chapter one the everlasting stars looked down like glistening eyes bright with immortal pity over the lot of man nearly five years have gone by five years since the charred ruins of grim bastille stone image of absolutism and of autocracy set the seal of victory upon the expression of a people's will and marked the beginning of that marvellous era of liberty and of fraternity which has led us step by step from the dethronement of a king through the martyrdom of countless innocents to the tyranny of an oligarchy more arbitrary more relentless above all more cruel than any that the dictators of rome or stamboul ever dream of in their wildest thirst for power an era that sees a populace always clamouring for the millennium which ranting demagogues have never ceased to promise a millennium to be achieved alternatively through the extermination of aristocracy of titles of riches and the abrogation of priesthood 
through dethroned royalty and desecrated altars, through an army without leadership, or an assembly without power. They have never ceased to prate, these frothy rhetoricians, and the people went on, vaguely believing that one day soon that millennium would surely come, after seas of blood had purged the soil of France from the last vestige of bygone oppression, and after her sons and daughters had been massacred in their thousands and their tens of thousands, until their headless bodies had built up a veritable scaling ladder for the tottering feet of lustful climbers, and these in their turn had perished to make way for other ranters, other speech-makers, a new Demosthenes, or a long-tongued Cicero. Inevitably, these too perished, one by one, irrespective of their virtues or their vices, their errors or their ideals. Vergniaud the enthusiast, and Desmoulins the irresponsible, Barnave the just, and Chomet the blasphemer, Hébert the carrion, and Danton the power. All, all have perished, one after the other, victims of their greed and of their crimes, they and their adherents and their enemies. They slew and were slain in their turn. They struck blindly like raging beasts, most of them for fear lest they too should be struck by beasts more furious than they. All have perished, but not before their iniquities have forever sullied what might have been the most glorious page in the history of France, her fight for liberty. Because of these monsters, and of a truth there were only a few, the fight, itself sublime in its ideals, noble in its conception, has become abhorrent to the rest of mankind. But they, arraigned at the bar of history, what have they to say, what to show as evidence of their patriotism, of the purity of their intentions? On this day of April, 1794, year two of the new calendar, eight thousand men, women, and not a few children, are crowding the prisons of Paris to overflowing. Four thousand heads have fallen under the guillotine in the past three months. All the great names of France, her noblesse, her magistracy, her clergy, members of past parliaments, shining lights in the sciences, the arts, and the universities, men of substance, poets, brain-workers, have been torn from their homes, their churches, or their places of refuge, dragged before a travesty of justice, judged, condemned, and slaughtered not singly, not individually, but in batches, whole families, complete hierarchies, entire households, one lot for the crime of being right, another for being nobly born, some because of their religion, others because of professed free thought, one man for devotion to his friend, another for perfidy, one for having spoken, another for having held his tongue, and another for no crime at all, just because of his family connections, his profession, or his ancestry. For months it had been the innocents, but since then it has also been the assassins, and the populace, still awaiting the millennium, clamour for more victims and for more, for the aristocrats and for the sans-culottes, and howl with execration impartially at both. But through this mad orgy of murder and of hatred, 
one man survives stands apart indeed wielding a power which the whole pack of infuriated wolves thirsting for his blood are too cowardly to challenge the girondists and the extremists have fallen hebert the idol of the mob danton its hero and its mouthpiece have been hurled from their throne sent to the scaffold along with ci-devant nobles aristocrats royalists and traitors but this one man remains calm in the midst of every storm absolute in his will indigent where others have grasped riches with both hands adored almost deified by a few dreaded by all sphinx-like invulnerable sinister robespierre robespierre at this time was at the height of his popularity and of his power the two great committees of public safety and of general security were swayed by his desires the clubs worshipped him the convention was packed with obedient slaves to his every word the dantonists cowed into submission by the bold coup which had sent their leader their hero their idol to the guillotine were like a tree that has been struck at the root without danton the giant of the revolution the colossus of crime the maker of terror the thunderbolt of the convention the part was atrophied robbed of its strength and its vitality its last few members hanging servile and timorous upon the great man's lips robespierre was in truth absolute master of france the man who had dared to drag his only rival down to the scaffold was beyond the reach of any attack by this final act of unparalleled despotism he had revealed the secrets of his soul showed himself to be rapacious as well as self-seeking something of his aloofness of his incorruptibility had vanished yielding to that ever-present and towering ambition which hitherto none had dared to suspect but ambition is the one vice to which the generality of mankind will always accord homage and robespierre by gaining the victory over his one in the convention in the clubs and in the committees had tacitly agreed to obey the tyrant out of his vaulting ambition had brought forth the slaves faint-hearted and servile they brooded over their wrongs gazed with smouldering wrath on danton's vacant seat in the convention which no one cared to fill but they did not murmur hardly dared to plot and gave assent to every decree every measure every suggestion promulgated by the dictator who held their lives in the hollow of his thin white hand who with a word a gesture could send his enemy his detractor a mere critic of his actions to the guillotine End of chapter one